for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, we have the Jacks winning the WNIT on Saturday. That was an amazing atmosphere, and uh, makes me wonder if life isn't better if you just, you know, I, I'm saying this Don't facetiously. Go there. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I just thought I'd say that just for fun. I mean, it was really cool. And, of course, Don Plitzewhite leaving, and who knows what will happen, like the second we flip off the mic, the next thing that will that will happen, right. that we'll, we'll have, have to wait Coyotes next, coach by the next five Tuesday. minutes after we hang That's up. That's right. You had your list there. and uh, But we could, we could start with the Jacks. And, uh, by the way, it's the best uh, one of the best weeks in sports of the calendar year. You had the uh, Final Four and – into last night's title game, Major League Opening Day on Thursday, which I know you've written about, and uh, the Masters Tiger. I mean, of course, is the entire story. Does that make you more? Are you more titillated by the Masters of Tiger how, how plays? About if we get to the Masters, I will set you up rather than the other way around. Since I have nothing to contribute on that whatsoever, but if you'd like to talk about it, I will give you the floor. I will try and set it up as well as I can. I was just asking a no, yes being, or no I'm question. Are you more I, I'm the golf guy. I'm exactly. Just, you're I'm, not. I'm not the golf guy. I'm far more interested in the non-golf guy and how oh, much more interested he is in the Masters. Um, well, I think uh, I mentioned on one of our recent podcasts that it was the one on my birthday where we were kind of talking about getting older yeah. and how I just kind of casually mentioned, God, I'm a little more interested in watching golf on TV That's than right. I used to be. And you were like, oh man, now you're definitely getting old. And I wouldn't say I'm fighting that. I would say, if anything, I'm embracing it. Exactly. I feel like, no, I'm talking about the golf part, not the getting old part. Um, <laughs> I know. Because um, uh, I kind of feel like, I don't know, like this, I always like liked the idea of watching golf more than actually watching golf. Like I would wake up on a Sunday and go, you know what, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to watch the last <laughs> round of this golf tournament. And then like 20 minutes later, I'd be like, God damn it. And I'd turn on my PlayStation or something. Because it was boring or because yeah. you didn't want to be that guy? Mostly because it was boring. I just okay. couldn't really, you know. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a try. I, you know, I, I, Tiger means nothing to me, positive or negative. I mean, I, I've gone on record many times. I'm not a fan. I think he's kind of a D-bag, but yeah. whatever. I mean, he is. And I don't – I've always thought it's weird, like, to root for the overdogs, so to speak. You know, like – I've always thought it's more fun to pull for guys who, you know, are underdog stories. And this guy who's, and I guess he's kind of become an underdog story he now. Has. So maybe that's part of the appeal. But it's you know, the, the relatable story, if anybody can relate to. Who being, the fuck can relate to Tiger Woods? It's the, uh, it's <laughs> the, it's the getting older and not invincible anymore, and uh, personal problems. He was, he's an actual human who also used to be the single greatest golfer in the history of the world. Right, so that is very unrelatable. Yeah. That, but that's what I'm saying is having life problems and then over, supposedly overcoming them, not just on the golf course in performance, but also mm-hmm. supposedly we all uh, love redemption stories. A, a rebuilt man, a better mm-hmm. man. And a family, we all love a, a father, stories. and yeah. uh, all that stuff. Yeah, it kind of changed when he won the Masters, and his little kid was right there to, to hug him, and he kind of was like, "Hey." Because uh, his kid had only heard stories about how great he right. was, and uh, now got to see for the world's eyes just how much people loved the old man, and mm-hmm. uh, got to celebrate that moment together. And I guess just being a parent in a moment was relatable. Sure. Anyway, I didn't mean to go down that path. I actually uh, far more interested in just talking about watching golf, of which I do less of. 
I had the choice to stay home and watch golf. Just some the PGA Tour stop in San Antonio, not an important stop, and not very big names on the leaderboard. But I was kind of like I was kind of planning on Sunday to do that. It's uh, it was a relaxing day. I had gone to Brookings the day before. Then Gilbert and I went out to some banquet that night. I was tired anyway. I don't want to do anything. And then we had a chance to go uh, out to eat and have a couple drinks with one of his friends who was mm-hmm. in town. And I was like, I'm either going to do this because it was like four o'clock in the afternoon, or watch the last hour of this golf tournament. And I chose socialization. I'm I'm going in the reverse direction. You are. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to sit on my ass and watch golf. I and I don't, you know, I was just like, I want to go have a couple of drinks and have some dinner. I don't, you know, I I, I do want to get out of out of the house and go to town, as as those of us from Lenox call Sioux Falls, going to town. Instead of just sit on my ass and watch well, golf. Well, I will tell you, you're lucky that you hightailed it out of Brookings when you did on Saturday. Why? Well, it took me a while to get... I had two stories to do, a story and a column, and no. I had to stick, stick around for this all the... That's why I did not go with you. Right. That's why I had to stick around for all the post-game stuff and everything. Well, by the time I was finally getting done, the arena's empty. Yeah. And one of SDSU's employees, I won't name her because I don't want her to feel bad, and she's a friend of mine, but she came up to me and offered me a hot dog. Because the, they were, you know, cleaning out the concessions and everything, and say, "Hey, you want a hot dog?" I was like, "Yes, I'm starving." Wolf down this hot dog. It was great. I was like, "Man, that was good." Five minutes later, I was like, "Uh oh, this is not good. I got food poisoning." I spent all night Saturday night and all day Sunday shitting and pissing and barfing and like, I'm sorry, I just said that. I yeah, you know, you really didn't need to. Didn't, didn't we know need, what happens when you yeah, get we, food we know poisoning. what food poisoning is. I apologize for that, but um, it was as sick as I've ever been in my Thank life. Thank you. For 24 uh, hours, I was almost dead. Oh, and, sorry to hear that. Um, so you had no choice. Yeah. So I didn't. I, Jen and I wanted to go out Saturday night and watch basketball. Uh, Sunday night I wanted to watch the women's national championship. I was bedridden. I couldn't do it. And uh, anyway, so yeah. You have a TV in your bed? I do, but I like. I had to. I was so sick that I had to lay flat on my back, or else I would puke. I, I couldn't even lay on my stomach. I couldn't even like prop my head up on a pillow to watch the TV. That would be enough to make me barf. I think I lost like seven pounds in one day. Congratulations! Pretty, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, good do, feeling. Do I look good. Like, yeah. No. Little, little svelte. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Not really. To anyone in the frost arena in the frost arena kitchen, make sure you're cooking those hot dogs appropriately. All right. Um, I, I know the first thing people want to hear about in a loaded sports calendar locally and nationally was our food poisoning stories, no. but now I have to reciprocate. I went to. You can go back and bleep out that shitting and barfing part if you want. No, it's fine. It's, <laughs> I think most people know you well enough by now. They'll let it slide. Uh, I so I went to Thailand when I was like 23, 24. I had a friend studying abroad you did? there. I did. I went I to Thailand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have all kinds of stories. Not enough time <laughs> here for them. Uh, but. Uh, one thing that happened was I, you know, I ate Thai food. I had a friend studying abroad. He was at a college in a dorm, which was which was just a concrete, just a dorm, and it was like a motel dorm, as in, just it was outdoor. It's you know, you walk upstairs to go into your room outdoors, and it's it's night. There's no air conditioning. It's 95, 100 degrees, humid as shit every day, and we would eat like street food. We would just eat uh-huh. Thai food. There were street vendors. Uh, and so getting I, sick again just thinking about it. Yeah, I, yeah and I, I did nothing but eat Thai food, and uh, I was commended for that. Like, oh, you're really hanging in there. Because <laughs> they did have, this was the second biggest city in Thailand that I that we were at, and so they did have McDonald's and some other shit. They had a Pizza Hut. After about a week, I was there for almost two weeks. After a week, I was just like, oh, Pizza Hut. And I, you know, <laughs> it had been years since I'd ever had Pizza Hut. You uh-huh. know, I kind of graduated from that phase of life. That you, Anyway, um I was like, just yes, I need I need some comfort food right now. Well, it turns out <laughs> that the meat that they have on the Pizza Hut there is not quite 
what you think it is over here. Rat food. Uh, who knows what it is, but I think there was a direct correlation between that and then being on my ass for two Whoa. days in a uh, hot, damp, Great place concrete yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, dorm room where, uh, by the way, the, the I'm not even going to explain the bathroom situation. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, now that we're past food poisoning, speaking of that old Jacks game on Saturday, uh, it was really cool. I mean, again, how how well the Jacks played, we can get into all that. What it, how you know, the the way the team came together and uh, embraced the whole thing, and the way they played, the way they beat killed Seton Hall. But you know why don't why don't I just do the anti hipster thing and just say what what a cool day I mean and I know for it was like that the whole every of the five games that they played you were at all of them mm-hmm. some people listening were but the crowds got bigger every time mm-hmm. and just what a cool thing to have I th- it's it's just bizarre that they they are allowed <laughs> allowed to finish the season like that. While a team like USD, you know, they just get knocked out in the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. in a heartbreaking win and have to bumble back home and, uh, you know, but um, that is the beauty of the WNIT, the opportunity to finish the season it's, on a it's, win. It's just a weird thing. That's all, you know, I, I don't really know how else to describe it. Like, people always want to compare it. Like, how does it compare to the NCAA tournament or how does it compare to this or that? Uh, they're different. It's not an apples to apples comparison. You know, in the postgame press conference, I said to AJ, I said, you know, People ask you to compare the NIT to an NCAA tournament run, but I said, I think this compares more to when you won the national championship in Division Two, And he's like, I completely agree 100%. But then later, after I thought about it, I was like, you know, I don't even know if that is as good a comparison as maybe I thought it was in the moment. I just think it's something different. You know, I did like what AJ said. Like, he did use the words national championship, and I was like, eh, let's, let's be careful about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they still do, but at one point, USD had it on the wall at the SCSE. We won a Division One national championship for their NIT championship, and I think that's a bad look. I told Justin Sell, don't do that. Don't put that up on the wall. And he's like, don't worry, we won't. Um, so I, calling it a national championship, I think, I think that is just a bad look. Don't go there. It is. But AJ did say this was a, a national tournament, teams from all over the country, a 64-team tournament, and we won it. And that is, that's cool. And the best comparison I can make from a personal standpoint, and I did this in a column I wrote earlier in the week, was um, – did Nebraska ever win the NIT? Oh, they did. They did. So you will be able to relate to this then. The Nebraska men, 1996. Perfect. That's almost exactly what I'm talking about. Minnesota won it in 93. Yep. Um, and when I was a kid, I was a huge Gopher basketball fan. Not as much as I certainly am today or even as I got older. But, you know, my family was always really big Twins fans, really big Vikings fans. And number three was Gopher basketball. We didn't really care about Gopher football. We never got into the Timberwolves that much. But Gopher basketball was a big deal. And in 93, they had a good team. I think they were, they were like 21-9 and nine or something, right on the bubble. We thought they were getting in, and they didn't get in. And we were really bummed that they didn't make the tournament. It was like, cool, NIT, whatever, who gives a shit? And so me and my dad went over to my Uncle Greg's house to watch the NIT game, not really caring about it that much, and they won. We were like, well, cool, all right, I guess we get to watch them play another game. And so whenever, when they played three days later, we all got together and watched it again. And they won again, and we're like, well, hey, this is this is kind of fun. Like, if they were in the NCAA tournament, they'd be out by now. You know, they yeah. were probably lost yeah. in the first round or the second round. Well, they kept winning, and they kept winning. And with every round that they advanced, we got more excited about it. Sure. And by the time they made it to the championship game, we were all in. We were so excited. We were making plans three days in advance. I can't wait to watch the NIT championship. Right. Gophers against Georgetown. 
and the Gophers beat Georgetown, and we were so excited. You know, we, we celebrated like they had won the big dance. And Gophers c- coach Clem Haskins, guess what he said after the game? We just won a national oh. championship because that's what they all do. Um, but still, like, it yeah. was – and it, the funny thing about it was the whole time it was happening – we all knew exactly what we were doing. We were pretending that this was a bigger deal than it actually yeah. was yes. because it served our interests too. Of course. You know, we knew like okay, this is a consolation tournament. This isn't the big deal. But it was fun to get excited mm-hmm. about it. It was fun to watch our team winning a tournament, sure. being a favorite, being one of the yeah. heavyweights as opposed to if they're in the NCAA, they're just another one of these faceless teams that's, you know, maybe they'll get catch lightning in a bottle and make the Sweet 16, but most likely they're going to go one and done or at best win a game and then be done. And so as much as I was tempted during this NIT run and also during USD's NIT run in 2016 to be kind of like, all right, you know, why are you making such a big deal about this? I was in no position to judge or look down on any of that because I've been there. I've been in that exact same situation before, and I did the exact same thing that Yotes fans did in 2016 and that Jacks fans did this spring. And saying like, "Hey, this is fun. Let's let's get all in. Let's buy in and follow this thing to the end. And then when you win, it's pretty fun." And from the standpoint of uh, SDS, I mean, it's a little different when USD won it in 2016. You know, I think they'd only been to the NCAA tournament once at that point, and they hadn't won a game yet. So that was a major accomplishment for them at that time. It's not quite as big of an accomplishment for the Jacks now because they've already been to you know 10 NCAA tournaments yep. and they've been to the Sweet 16. But I thought. I think it was Terry Vanderbeck who, who put it really well on Twitter right after the game. He said, this is just another thing on their resume. You know, you have 10 NCAA tournaments. That's on your resume. You have a Sweet 16. That's on your resume. Now you have WNIT championship. Sure. It's on your resume. You don't necessarily have to compare it to those other things. You don't have to rank them. It's just here's another thing now that this program has accomplished. Yep. I think that's the best way to sum it up. Yeah, sure. And it is more fun to do that. Uh, more people, more of your fans get to see it, you know, 5,500 uh, compared to – I mean, again, if the Jacks go to Wichita, there may have been three, four, five thousand Yote fans there. I'm sure there would be just as many, if not more, Jacks fans, and that'd be really cool. But there's something about doing it in your own lion's den, the Jackrabbit mm-hmm. den. And uh, by the way, yes, I can relate because Nebraska, there used to be a joke about Nebraska basketball that the old Devaney Center, you could have nicknamed it the Apple Orchard from all the <laughs> NIT banners I get because it. the NIT logo is the an apple because uh, they play uh. the finals in the Big Apple. And um, I remember the like Nebraska was just a like a yearly NIT team until right. for one four-year stretch in the 90s with Danny Nee, they made it to the big dance four years in a row. And did they lost. really make it four years in a row? They did, and they lost in the first round every time. Yeah, Colossal disappointment. Um, and uh, but then and then they went back in 98. So anyway, and they were in the NIT in a year they weren't in the big dance, and that was a lot. Was Danny Nee the coach when they won the NIT? The, he was. Yeah. Uh, and, it was uh, and that was a, a classic team that should have been in the NCAA tournament, not only because they had a decent enough resume, but because they were um, actually no, okay, no one really cares. But they were like at one point four and ten or something like that in the Big Twelve. They were just a pe- they were just playing like shit and uh, underachieving. And Danny couldn't figure out how to coach him. And anyway, they caught lightning in a bottle. They won like their last six, seven games of the regular season, and then got in the NIT and then just ripped through the NIT. Danny, the coach, classic 
character from Brooklyn. He was this was the biggest thing in the world to him. He grew up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played high school basketball with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm sure they they played some games in Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden, and you know he treated this, and so he, he called it a national, national championship, championship as well. They all yeah. do it. Yeah. But he was able to motivate his guys, his players, enough to because some of them had been on those NCAA tournament teams to like make it seem like mm-hmm. let's 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 get through this. And yes, of course, through each and every round, you're just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. My God, they might they they might win this thing. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. like SDSU and USD, a lot of the times Nebraska would get the home games because you know that's what the fans mm-hmm. were used to, and fans would show up for it and get behind it. And when they would win, you know, uh, the Jacks and the Yotes got to get go all the way through the end. Of course, men's NIT the f- final four is in Madison Square Garden, so the the elite eight. I I think it's quite oxymoronish to call the uh, NIT's uh, quarterfinal around the elite eight. But I never once in this run used elite eight, <laughs> Sweet Sixteen, or Final Four. I did on the last podcast, the and when I heard myself back, I'm like, that sounds dumb. But I anyway, sure not to do that. The round of eight. That was, you know, that's you know you're going to New York if you win that game. And so each time Nebraska pulled this off, which was a few times in my life. Uh, I mean, Frank, Sin- Frank Sinatra's New York, New York starts playing. <laughs> once the buzzer sounds, there's confetti. There's a there's oh, like geez. it's like they won the whole thing. Like uh, yeah, that's, that's we're a little much. Here. Well, that's Nebraska much. basketball, baby. It's all about where the bar is set. But uh, all right, what were your biggest takeaways, either from the day or from the uh, besides everything you just said? I think just uh, the support for women's basketball in South Dakota that we saw in the last couple weeks was pretty pretty special. Um, USD fans going down to Wichita like they did. Um, it would be nice to see that translate over and to see, you know, USD's fans turn out like that more consistently. Yeah, like at their home the arena. League, yeah, and at the Summit League tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that was great. I mean, there were, it's one thing to have, you know, the USD in-house media bragging to you about how great the fans are down there. But when you saw reporters from Wichita, reporters from Texas, reporters from other you know, programs, other parts of the country saying, holy shit, South Dakota's taking over Wichita. That's a big deal. So that was really special to see. And then what SDSU did, again, same thing that USD's fans did in 2016. Um, There's, you know, people that complain about, oh, I I saw someone on Twitter saying, like, well, the Jacks bought their WNIT championship. Good, because they can, because people turn out like that. You know, I mean, I I think that's really something. I mean, if that game had been played at a neutral site, there would have been 300 people there. You know, so I, I, I just think, you know, and, and the nice thing about it, too, is it's not new. You know, I mean, this goes back to the NCC days in the 80s and 90s when you had the doubleheaders that we've talked ad nauseum about how that built up what we have today. And that was just really cool to see. And, you know, when we talked, I don't know how long you stuck around for some of the postgame festivities, but most of the SDSU players, when we tried getting them talking about, you know, what does this mean? You know, trying to get them put everything to words like they didn't so much talk about. You know, we have this trophy. You know, we have this championship. We can hang this banner. They talked about this environment, this scene, being able to do this, the fact that all this came together. Yeah. That was the big thing for them. And, I, you know, I, I don't think that's something to be taken for granted. Absolutely not. And actually, I did duck out early. I did want to beat the traffic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had this thing to get to in Sioux Falls. And I just listened to the radio and just like the – uh, when the Jacks men won the Summit League post-game radio, uh, in, in this case, almost all the players, almost all the players <laughs> came on, and it, so and they all said the exact same thing you did. And it's again, 
when we when we bring up ourselves who have been covering this for a while and to our audience on Twitter who's been fans for their whole lives, they sometimes and I know we get you went through a lot on Twitter this week. Uh, it, it, when we say like, golly, gee, aren't Jack's fans great? Frost magic. This is for real. This is deafening. This is insane. We already knew that. Yes, we we some fans will be like, it's always been that way. It's yeah. like, uh-huh. yes, but but this is this is kind of the pinnacle, right? Uh-huh. It's never it's never full. I mean, it's usually most women's Not games are like yeah. fifteen hundred, two thousand, maybe three thousand for big women's games, mm-hmm. and it feels full because it's such a great venue, low mm-hmm. ceiling, great acoustics. It's always loud, and that's partly what makes places like that awesome. Uh, Pentagon is the same way. A small enough place where even if you don't fill it, it gets loud. But um, but when it is full and there is something on the line, um, I mean, that is, it, it, it's a hard venue to beat. And then I start to think to myself, like, all of Purdue's men's home games are, like, sellout crowds that feverish all the time. Like, it's not, it is not, sometimes we in South Dakota start to feel like this is unique to the world. Like, what a uniquely, it's not. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of other college basketball teams who consistently sell out and have noisy arenas, mm-hmm. much bigger arenas than this. Mm-hmm. But it is. But it, it, it. But then there, there's a. But that's there's a much larger percentage of places out there that don't get nearly that kind of support. Well, and I think part of the reason it it is maybe. Sp- I don't want to say special again or more special, but like... And I'm not saying it's not special, by the way. It is special. In this country, we're finally, finally starting to try to address some of the inequities between men's and women's sports. Mm -hmm. We're still not there yet. But at least now it's kind of like part of the conversation. And, you, you know, you're seeing the NCAA like, okay, you know, I guess we should start making sure the women have as good of a weight room as the men or the nicest hotel rooms and all these sort of things. And call uh, it March Madness. They didn't exactly. call it women's tournament yeah, March Madness yeah. until this yeah, year. Yeah. And so there's all these things where so many other parts of the country are, are trying to play catch up. And I'm certainly not even going to make the suggestion that everything is, is perfect in South Dakota. I mean, there are other people who could, women specifically, who could weigh in on that more than me. Um, but I do think South Dakota has a pretty good track record of supporting women's basketball. I think the media in South Dakota has a pretty good track record of covering it. You know, like you hit these other parts of the country, they're like, oh, we're going to start covering women's basketball. Hi, we've been doing that for 30 yeah. years, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying that that's a that's a fact. But that's part Absolutely. of the celebration, too, is saying, like, we've always done this. Like, all these other parts of the country are kind of saying, look at us. We're supporting women's basketball. And that's great. But here in South Dakota, we can kind of say, yeah, we, we were doing that already. Yeah. And I think that's that's right. worth celebrating in itself. Yeah. And when it comes to the women's games, there are probably very few places that have that kind of support. So I'm not saying I'm not poo pooing it. I went to the game specifically just to experience that just because mm-hmm. I know um, you know I grew up going to Creighton games and they had nice crowds for their game 9,000 seat arena there'd be six or seven thousand fans now they get 18 19,000 in an NBA sized arena but back when I was growing up Creighton was pretty good at basketball made the NCAA tournament every now and then and mm-hmm. if the NIT if not but they could get 6,000 a game and it felt you know felt yeah. pretty cool in there but nothing like Frost Arena. I mean, I was like, this is this feels like what college basketball should be. And you take the take the women's part out of it. That's what's also nice is everybody knows. You don't have to say, hey, I'm going to the Jackrabbit women's game. Are you going to watch the Jackrabbit women's game? Everybody, you know, you just say, mm-hmm. hey, you go to the Jacks game. Mm-hmm. You're going to watch the Jacks game on Saturday. Yeah. You know, everybody, uh, you know, most people around here know and, about it. And the it same thing when the Oats were in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You know, me and all my friends were, it turns out, um, 
I couldn't do it, but we were all trying to make plans to get together to watch the Oats game. No yeah. one said, let's get together to watch the Oats women. Yeah. And I was just like, let's go watch the Oats. Yes. Sweet 16. You know? Yeah. And, and, and there's no, like, pretense. Because I think in other places in the country, if it's just start, if women's basketball at all is starting to catch on, the first few times a group of guys like you get together to go and do that because maybe you have nothing better to do or you are, it's your alma mater, you're excited, mm-hmm. it attaches pride with it. But it's still kind of like, yeah. I remember. Are you sure you want to do this? You want right. to watch a, we're, when, look what we're doing. We're watching a women's game. Yeah, we're getting together to watch a women's the, game. When the Gophers, Lindsey Whalen, Janelle McCarville team made the Final Four. Yes, I was in my early twenties, and uh, that was the first time a lot of. I mean, I, I had, I just really wasn't into college basketball, men's or women's, at that time in my life. But I remember a bunch of friends of mine like, "Hey, you know, like, are we gonna go watch the Gophers?" And just being like, yeah, absolutely, let's go. And there was a little bit of that. You could tell that some of my friends were kind of like, is this weird that we're going to, you know, that we're getting together to watch a women's game? And I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. It's okay. You know, but. Well, and then we can get specifically to Saturday, the quality of play. I mean, uh, both USD and SDSU women is the, the skill level because they have to play below the rim. It's, it's just out of this world. And it looks, it looks better and more beautiful basketball than a lot of the men's basketball you see. Like last night was a track meet, and I prefer those. I love those. UNC mm-hmm. in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. and all, But, um, you know, there, it, it, the skill that SDSU had against what Seton Hall brought, which was just more of an athletic run down, chuck up a shot, try to mm-hmm. make a layup, uh, that's also, yeah, that's kind of, do, do you think that's an agreeable source of pride that makes it fun to watch? Because um, it, it was kind of a basketball clinic, USD and SDSU throughout their runs. I mean, they're just two really highly efficient teams. Yes. I mean, that, you know, I, I don't get caught up in that as much. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned this in our last podcast. I remember the first time I covered a Summit League tournament being struck by how the men didn't seem any better than the NSIC, the NCC, kind of seemed the same. And then the women, it was like, holy shit. Like, this is another level. And that was the Jen Workentine SDSU team that went okay. like 32-2 and two or whatever. Yeah. But I just remember watching that team and be like, this is the best women's basketball team I've ever seen in my life. Like, they were amazing to me. Whereas whoever won the men's tournament that year, I think it was Oakland, I was kind of like, eh. You know, they probably win the NSIC, but they're not that much better than, the, you know, mm. Mankato, Augie, whoever, you know. Um, is that still the case? I don't, you know. I think I would like to think the Summit League, the men's mid-majors have gotten better and separated themselves more. I don't think this year's Augustana team would have done very well in the Summit League, let's put it that way. Um, but is that difference still there on the women's side? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, USD just beat Baylor, went to the Sweet 16, yeah. almost made the Elite Eight. They are on another level. Yeah. You know? And that- I think what SDSU did, you know, um, they, they smoked Seton Hall. I mean, that <sighs> was never a game. Um, but the Alabama game, I know you didn't – Maybe you watched I it on TV. I didn't yeah. see it. Um, was that was the else. best game of the tournament. Okay. And part of it was because Alabama was one of the few teams that showed up, and they're like, "Yeah, oh, there's six thousand people here that are breathing down our necks. Let's go!" Like they they leaned into it. They were like, mm-hmm. "This is fun," you know. Like, yep. All right. And that was by far the best game of the tournament. The Jacks, you know, had a big lead, blew it, came back. It was a back and forth. It was a great game. And then the UC- UCLA game was good too, but the Jacks were kind of in control most. A- anyway, my point is, think about who you know. UCLA, Seton Hall, Alabama, Minnesota. I mean, those are some high-level basketball mm-hmm. teams in there, and that's that's a pretty impressive level of basketball. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned last week, these are all teams that had losing records in their conference. I'm not sure about Seton Hall. So in relative terms, they did have a winning record in the Big East. Okay, they yeah. weren't. They weren't. There's a reason why they're in the NIT and not the NCAA. But still, yes, it is impressive to beat those schools. And <laughs> the it was. I, I just. I, I'm so glad I went because it was just uh, it was a fun experience just because of how 
how full and hyped up it was. Mm-hmm. I got there, and you know, you commended me for this. You got there on time. Uh, not 13 minutes before tip. I don't know what on time. On time to me is tip. <laughs> but I was, I was. No, I agree. You were early. I was for easily the last. When I sent that tweet, I was like, he's going to show up like five minutes into the first quarter. And yeah. I'm be like, you asshole. Not but. uncommon. But, <laughs> and if that was for a regular season game, what did I really miss? You know, who, but, uh, but I was very grateful that I, A, got a seat. Um, and, and B, on some sort of weird circumstances, I got to sit next to you. And uh, so, yeah, I was I, mean, well, I was telling Jen, like, she's like, oh, so you and John were sitting next to each other the game? I was like, yeah. And I said, I couldn't really talk to him. It was too loud. Yeah. I mean, maybe we really didn't talk to each other because of that. But the few times we tried, like, I, a couple times I talked to you, I was like, he didn't fucking hear me. You know, and I don't know if you were doing the same thing, but it was just, I have terrible we were, hearing. We were tweeting at each other, essentially, because we couldn't, you know. Well, interesting you point that out because, I, sure, that's part of it, but also. A couple e- times I sort of e- said them to you, I was like, yeah, he didn't hear me. Even yeah. this, but even this day and age, it kind of. Uh, because uh, we, I, I, I can't remember if we both pointed out the Seton Hall coach before either of us tweeted about him. But I mean, he was just ripe for comedy. Yes, he was. He's a short little guy, and he just looks like he got in a brawl or something. And uh, and I, uh, and and you, we could have spent the whole day oh. playing. He looks like X. yes, yes. I said a, a Saved by the Bell teacher who's sick of Zach Morris's shit. But you said Rick, some sort of Rick Moranis. I said Paul reference. Simon stand-in, oh, which was another good one. Then someone else said Rick Moranis. Yes, you know. Yeah, and then I then I had a Rick, best Rick Moranis. We could have kept going. Pull. I mean, uh, but I but anyway, I was like, I I, 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 I looked over for a second. I, you know, at your laptop, and I could see you formulating a tweet about what Seton Hall's coach looked like, and I'm like, <laughs> is this where we're at? We can't just have this moment together, just us two. And it's like, nope, Matt has to share it with everybody else in the world except me. Uh, and that's how I'll, I'll see. I was like, okay, that's fine. That's how we'll do this now. This is how we got we to hoard our well, material for our audience. I couldn't, I couldn't even say it to you. You were just too loud. I think you, like, if you would have been afraid, I would have stolen your line no, and tweeted no, it myself. I, I, I don't. No, trust me, I don't take Twitter that seriously. We had, well, we had enough fun with the guy. I know you don't, and uh, we had enough. Well, then I was like, okay, well, I was going. I thought about deleting him after the game was over. I was just because I was like, I don't want this guy to see it and think we were shitting on him because you know. That is why I put out a tweet near the end of the game. I was I put the guys I put the guy's resume in a tweet. This guy's won like 477 games. Right, I certainly he's have nothing turned, against the guy. He's turned around every program. He's been, uh, he have yeah. some respect. He's a human yeah, being, yeah. but he was like he was just fodder, and it was he I was mean, so we didn't say anything. Too mean no, he was just animated, and yeah. uh, and then and then I get, then I get a, a couple texts and a couple messages. Did you realize you were just on TV laughing at the Seton Hall coach? <laughs> Well, buddy, and, yeah, well, you saw the picture my buddy sent me, the screenshot yes, from TV. Yes, yeah. He, yeah. And uh, the thing was is I remember that, <laughs> and we were both laughing, but for somehow I guess I was it was more clear how funny I thought it you was You were, like, covering you. your face laughing, which is even funny. <laughs> I yes. was, and yes, yeah, it yeah. was. he was funny. Um, thank you. Thank you. Free cookies at the Gateway Lounge after lunch today. They have a new, different lunch special every day at the Gateway, and even better yet, Susie gave them to us. Oh, that's good. Um, what kind is it? Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean that afternoon had it all, except for a competitive game. But it, you could tell it was a blowout right from the start. Yep. Y- you said it to me first uh, after they had to call their first timeout at thirteen to three or something like that. Five. You're like, yeah, like, this is gonna be an ass whooping, and yeah. I didn't want to speak to somebody like, oh, let's see what happens. I kind of suspected but, it before the game even started, and yeah. then once it was thirteen five, it was like, yeah, this is, yeah. 
Uh, and at first, their players, warm-ups, and then right before tip, they kind of had, they knew that they were in kind of a hornet's nest, and they kind of had that look on their faces like, okay, I see you. I see you, South Dakota State. Okay, bring it on. You know, because they're from New Jersey. They're from the East Coast. They, and then the they, game started. Yeah, and then, boom, uh, they did not want to be there. And uh, so that was a fun afternoon. I, I we, there, uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote all kinds of things down, and we don't have time to get to them. The shush, the, the, the when the Seton Hall girl <laughs> made a three, they're down thirty. She hits a three pointer, and does the to shush. cut the lead to twenty. Does the shush, and of course, the you know the next time something happened to her, you know there are a few fans that made sure to put up the shush signs. Jack's fans will get after you, man. It's not uh, not for the faint of heart. All right, Don Plitzoite. Goes to West Virginia. I don't think either of us are surprised that nope, uh, she I'd got a new job. she came back. Uh, at all? I mean, she, what what else did she need to do to get a gig? I was kind of surprised it was West Virginia. I do nothing about West – you never hear about West Virginia women's basketball. So, uh, as it turns out, of course, I learned about it through her hiring. This is not necessarily a program rebuilding job whatsoever. No. They've had a good, not great program, and she's going to get there. And I think the idea is she wants to – you know, they want her to elevate it to something – Something substantial, something beyond, hey, we win 20 games and make the NCAA tournament most years. Yeah, a few USD fans, the ones who aren't constantly complaining, um, asked me, like, West Virginia, really? I was like, that's what was open, you know? It must have been, There weren't a lot of Power 5 jobs available by the time they were done. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the idea that that's not enough of an upgrade, or I thought she'd go somewhere better than that, come on. It's the Big 12. She's making half a million bucks a year. That's a big jump. Yeah. That's it. At least as good of a jump as Amy Williams going to Nebraska. I mean, same conference. You know? It is the same conference. Hey, yeah. I just thought of that. They're going to be playing each other. Or no, they're in the Big Ten. Nebraska's in the Big Ten. Right. Never mind. They used to be. Yep. Anyway. Correct. Um, that, that, nothing surprising about it at all. Good for Dawn. I think she's going to do fine there. She's probably going to do well there. Um, it was bound to happen. I mean, I actually was kind of surprised she was still there. Yeah. I kind of thought the reason she was was because of AJ. And then that also made you think, well, maybe she's just going to stay till AJ's done. And maybe she would have, but who knows? Now maybe AJ will go to West Virginia. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I heard I heard Coyote types speculating about this the other day, as if to say there well, there's no reason to think that he won't come back. As far as we know, he's coming back. Well, yeah, this is two days after his mom. Like right. he's got a little time to decide if he's going to transfer or not. And I have no idea. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed in Vermilion. I mean, he's 21 years old. He's his own guy. If he yeah. wants to stay and be, he doesn't need mom there in town. Right. Um, and she does. Yeah. And she doesn't need to be there with him either. You and I both went to. They places. got some money now. They can afford a plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. So who knows? So I have no, no intel on that. Uh, it would be a big blow hey, to the Coyotes. Noah Friedel and AJ Plitzewite to West Virginia to play for Huggy Bear. How's that? Uh. I, I, it'd be fun to make Huggy Bear's one of those fun people to make fun of. So I don't know. It'd be fun. Did you see him on the NCAA tournament studio? Yes. Wow, that was not a good idea. Did they fire him midway through, or did they, they just should've. was that the plan all along to have? Because he was there, and then all of a sudden Scott Drew was there, and Huggy yeah, Bear was gone. I'm guessing it was a rotation, yeah, but I don't, uh, I, I don't think he did anything to earn them to uh, to consider having but him. But sometimes back. it's kind of entertaining. I didn't mind him. It's kind of fun to have those curmudgeons that are like, it is. like every word that comes out of him is a grunt. Like, <laughs> just, Jen and I were watching. They were talking uh, about the Longhorns. We're both kind of Texas fans, just from being in Austin. And yeah. he's like, well, Texas makes any shots. I, I guess they can win. I don't really like what they do, but if they make shots. <laughs> you appreciate the honesty. At the same yeah. point, you're like, could you show a, yeah. something like 
show that you care that you have a desire to be there. Of course, he had to have his huggy bear, just wear a garbage bag to the set attire. You know, I remember when he was coaching. Trying. might have been when he just started at West Virginia. It might have been when he was at Cincinnati or something. Like, There was this story that you know, they always talk about coaches' graduation rates. And one of the years, Huggy Bear had a great team, like went to the Elite Eight or something. That team's graduation was 0.0. And I was like, <laughs> favorite coach in college basketball. Good for him. Thumb his nose at the NCAA. Yeah. This is a, this is a free agent market. Yeah. Th- yeah. I'm trying to win basketball this, yeah, games. This is all a farce. Yeah. No one cares. I don't give a shit about grades. <laughs> yeah. It was just like Bill. I mean, Bill Self's a big. Big hero in Lawrence, Kansas, after four years of NCAA investigations. Who gives a shit? I saw last night someone saying how long before this national title is vacated. But yeah, Who cares? I mean, really. Uh, do you really have to go at 215? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, you wrote a big column about who might replace Don. Um, I mean, with when I wrote a column on who might replace Todd Lee, I was very confident that the eventual hire was going to be someone on my list. Yeah. With this one I wrote about Don, much less so. I mean, it's it's just harder to, to speculate on women's candidates, especially because USD's women's program can cast a wider net than the men's program can. You know, the, hmm. the women can get Power 5 schools to come to Vermilion, to come to Brookings. They go to the Sweet 16. You know, they, they're on a higher level than the men. So, you know, the pool of can Like, we didn't know who Dawn Plitz-White was when she was hired to replace right. Amy Williams. She came out of nowhere. So while USD's eventual coach might be one of the ten people I put on that list... Um, there's a good chance it won't be. It'll be someone that David Herbster either already knew about or found out through, you know, whatever. That's his job, obviously. Yeah. Um, that was just my speculation. We'll see. I really have – I mean, I, I can't give you any sort of inside info or anything. I don't know. We'll it's, see. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thrilled for Don. She seems – sometimes you're, you're – I, I, I didn't do the due diligence this time. I know I did when she got hired by USD what kind of a thing she inherited at Northern Kentucky. I don't remember if she was inheriting already a good thing and just made it better, if she was you know, entering a reclamation project. At USD, she was just building off of what mm-hmm. Amy did and took mm-hmm. it to another level. and that's obvi- So that's a good hire by West Virginia, not just to get somebody that's ha- ha- having success at mm-hmm. another level, somebody that specifically is doing what we're looking to do, just build off of something and make it even bigger and better. Uh, and... I don't know. When it comes to her replacement, the the list you brought out, I don't even I don't even remember the name. The initials were KK, uh, and it seemed to fit the David Hurt. If you want to just go, if you want to predict this hire or speculate this hire, purely by Dave Herbster track record, it with in Don's case and in uh, Craig Smith's case and in uh, Eric Peterson's case, Todd Lee's case. I can't remember if Todd Lee had any big league Power Five assistant coaching experience. But the other two, the other three did. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that. That's a kind of a linchpin. Were you on a major conference staff? Don with Michigan, Craig mm-hmm. Smith with mm-hmm. Nebraska, Eric Kayla, at Utah. Kayla Carius is who you're referring to. Yeah, I mean, that's, never been that's, a head coach. Um, def- okay, never been a head coach. That, but she came here to work for USF under Trap. Yeah, and then went to USD, then went to Wisconsin, was where she kind of got her big. Sort of the big draw on her resume was at Drake most recently. Yeah, the, I don't know. Maybe she's the favorite. I don't know. The Wisconsin, um, I'm just saying that based off of Herbster track record, mm-hmm. that Wisconsin thing is a big part of it. Sure. I, that doesn't mean he's going to make that higher. And then Tom Gale also qualifies because he's been at Nebraska for a few Gailey, years. but yeah. Gailey, I, and, sorry. Yes. Um, he would seem like a long shot to me. I think it'll probably be a woman, whoever it is. Yeah. But, but we don't know. I mean, I don't know. All right. Any, anything to tease us about your opening day MLB column? I feel good about the Twins. I don't feel great about the Twins. I feel good about the Twins. Okay. We'll more about that later. Okay. Sounds good. And I'll be at the game Saturday, weather permitting. All right. Enjoy. Thanks, John. All right.
We, we got the golf stuff out of the way first. That's fine. Ah, yeah. And opening day is Thursday. Just also happens to be the first round of the Masters. And what a day it would be to come to the Gateway Lounge where they have an infinite wall of TVs, kind of a great movie theater setting, so there's no glare from windows or anything like that. And they have a great twofer special. 2 to 7 p.m. Thursday and actually every day at the Gateway Lounge. Jack, Crown Royal, Tito's, and Captain Morgan. All twofer specials. Anywhere between six and seven bucks for your twofers of those fine liquors. Sunday's making a double all day for 25 cents. But Gateway Lounge, drink your twofers, drink your uh, very affordable beer, and enjoy one of the great days in sports. It just happens to be Major League opening day and the first round of the Masters all together. Why try to watch two of them at once at work or home when you can just come here and enjoy all of it with all your friends and some of the best service in town and some of the best food in town here at the Gateway Lounge, also the home of the uh, American Outlaws Club. If there's ever a big soccer game on, whether it be, uh, you know, the Premier League, European League, the World Cup coming up in November and December, this is your soccer headquarters in town as well. We'll talk to you next week here on Nobody's Listening Anyway. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.